knows? He could save like 75 games. I think you're lowballing that. Well, yeah, I'm trying to be conservative. Talking about baseball to start this thing is like a guaranteed Mike's going to cut this. <laughs> yeah, this is for you, Mike. <laughs> like Mike is like, what are you even talking about? What does any of these words mean? I mean, I guess he knows Pittsburgh. It's, a, it's an analogy about the declining steel workers, and, you know. So, all right, welcome to Sanity Check, a podcast devoted to staying informed and sane in the time of Trump. I'm Ben, and I am joined today by John. Hello. We are recording on the evening of Saturday, April 1st, 2017. Or midday, for some of us. But yeah, it depends on which coast you're on. Today is day 72 of The Resistance. If you enjoy what you hear, you can subscribe on iTunes, the Google Play Store, or at our website, sanitycheckpod.com. So I think we're going to start with, uh, with our now trademarked segment, Best and Worst of the Week. John, yeah, you want to start us off? No one's ever done that before. That's definitely trademarked. Yeah, that's um, why, we invented it. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, I guess for me, the, the worst of the week was this uh, seeing the, the, the footage of um, these strikes in the Middle East and around Syria as the, the U.S. seems to es- has been escalating its engagement without sort of under the radar escalating its engagement and uh, and the allegation that uh, maybe 200 civilians were killed in an increasing uh, disinterest in in uh, conservative rules of engagement in the Middle East on the part of the American military. And, you know, heartbreaking quotes about people saying, and, you know, maybe not to be believed, I guess, but um, fully, but, uh, but like talking about how they were, you know, it used to be that if they heard a Russian plane where they, you know, they would sort of worry, but if they heard an American plane, they felt confident that nothing was going to happen to them. And now, the sounds of American planes are, are the equivalent of the Russian planes because, well, you know, on they're, an they're objective, all the, yeah, on an objective of, basis, yeah, rate basis, there are about three or four times as many drone strikes going on right now as there were under the Obama administration. And and Obama was Captain Drone, Captain right. Drone a lot. So, right, so. Um, yeah, it's it, it, this is not, and it's not getting any coverage because of the sheer enorm- volume uh, of stuff. Yeah, volume yeah. of like terrible Trump news, but uh, it, it's dispiriting and, and just not being talked about. And you know, it, you know, we could talk about ancillary relationships, like how these attacks will only increase the likelihood of terrorism or the you know frustration or enmity towards the U- U.S. as a presence. But uh, just like the human cost of it is is, is really distressing to have read. Um, so yeah, two, that's two hundred people is a lot of people. Two hundred people is a lot of people, um, and that's just like the one that they talked about. The, from all talk, there's like a lot more incursions and, and escalations. Though there's apparently we might even be having an, like essentially what is a war in Yemen that's just not being discussed at all, um, and uh, and it's it's just tough. Um, so that's a fun way to start, start yeah. off the podcast. Well, well, why don't I give my worst and then we okay. can segue to some stuff that was sure. less depressing. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'm going to go with the, um, on the domestic front with worst. Um, I, uh, I was really distressed by the, um, by the GOP Congress's uh, decision to, um, to basically sell our privacy rights back to the ISPs and roll back all of the internet privacy and net neutrality um, efforts that had taken place under the Obama administration. Um, so basically, you know, uh, we're, we're all being spied on for, for profit now. And, 
it's a it's a very slippery slope. So uh, that was that was disturbing to me. Um, yeah. Uh, what, what was your be careful news? what porn you search for now? Right, right. It's uh, well, <laughs> uh, I saw some with today being April Fool's Day. Um, apparently, some of the more popular porn websites uh, said that they would be selling viewers information to uh, to the ISPs as a joke. Ha 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 ha! People so were concerned funny. about this. Comcast <laughs> announced that they wouldn't ever sell anybody's information. I mean, to be believed, but it's weird when you like go like, "Boy, Comcast on the right side of an issue." Yeah. On the other hand, Verizon <laughs> Verizon announced that they're going to be rolling out to all of their Android devices uh, basically malware that will be recording everything you do on your Android phone and uh, oh, sold to the highest bidder. So well, those of you with Verizon. Um, is that if you have a Verizon service but not a Android phone? It, right. If you're probably better off with an iPhone. Yay! Uh, and uh, Mate, if, you guys made fun of me. So, so what's your good news for the week, John? Um, I guess for me, non-politics related, I'm super excited that baseball's back. You yes. Know, fun, fun distraction. Uh, it obviously has. There's like issues to being a, a fan of sports. Um, if you want to think it from a political standpoint, from, but from just like pure enjoyment, this is a. You know, I think nothing sort of helps keep my mind. Like nothing is a, a stronger or more entertaining distraction for me than the game of baseball. And I'm quite. Um, I would say baseball has fewer, particularly with Bud Selig gone, has fewer political problems. Well, there's the player thing. We start we start getting so, individual yeah. politics of, of you know you know that's the problem. Like Danny Murphy. You know, uh, you know, uh, he he. There's troubling issues with Trevor, these Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer. I mean, really, most, most of them. I mean, yeah. it's hard. You know, what are you going to do? But well, we like, don't have uh, the. There's, we don't have the issues of amateurism that college sports has. No, or the or like the constant the, brain damage. Yeah, the 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 league that is so interested in having their players die or suffer con- health consequences at an early age that the NFL right. uh, is, um, yeah, you know, there's, it's, it's, it's also just like, uh, and then there's the pastoral quality of baseball. So it's, you know, it's it nice, a wonderful but, sport. Um, but yeah, uh, quite exciting. John and I could spend the whole time we could. about that. We could switch this easily. up. Um, so for me, um, I'm also going, you know, non-politics and, and so on for, for best. I'm going to go with um, this, uh, this past week's, rocket launch from SpaceX, the uh, private rocket company um, uh, run by Elon Musk. Uh, this was very cool. This was the first time that a rocket has been launched to space to deliver a payload after having previously been launched to space. So it's the first recycled, reused orbital rocket. And not only did they launch it, but for the second time they managed to land it again. So they can they can do it again, and that, that's very cool. Um, you know, I mean, uh, on, until very recently, we had never even successfully landed a, a rocket again at all, and uh, and all of a sudden we're we're using rockets more than once, and that's going to be super key to uh, doing things like actually landing people on Mars. And not totally stranding them there, you know. Yeah, cool I guess thing, cool things like that. <laughs> um, all right, I guess I wouldn't, you know, want to be stranded on Mars. Yeah, 
I have like a I feel weird about the veneration that Elon Musk gets because I don't think he's yeah. like a no he's a weird guy yeah you know when I was I was working on a job and uh, I mean I worked on a on a TV show and they did a whole episode sort of focused on Elon Musk because like one of the people in charge was sort of in love with Elon Musk and it was just it felt like rich guys high five and rich guys um, and it's not like Elon Musk is known for being a comedy powerhouse um, so. No. It was just like I did, it gets uncomfortable, but at the same time, like I I love the hyperloop idea. That's my favorite of all of them. Well, I mean, yes, I the hyperloop idea is very cool. Not going to happen, but it's just no, it's my favorite it's because I it's the closest thing to teleportation that I've heard, and I love teleportation. And, you know, and say what you want about the guy being a weird guy, uh, but the projects that he's doing are all pretty beneficial, positive, positive projects. The ones we know. Yeah, that's well. Who knows? Yeah, that's true. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows what the nefarious behind-the-scenes Elon Musk projects. Yeah, but he, no, know, he's not he's Peter. Cool he's stuff. not Peter Thiel. He's not no. the Ellison, Larry Ellison, in terms of just or like, even Richard Branson. He's not doing like you know. He's not doing things entirely for just shits and giggles. It's, uh, I don't think Branson does. I think this is. Uh, I guess he's out. He's he's better about it. Obviously, Branson's space space enterprise not real real step behind. Well, hey, they they also Virgin Galactic had a pretty cool rocket launch this past week as well. They actually also reused a rocket, but the the difference is is that their rockets are still suborbital at this point. Boo, um, suborbital. So, you know, they're they're going for the space tourism angle yeah. more, right? And so they'll send you up to space kind of like it'll look like you're in space and you'll be there for like 15 or 20 minutes. But then you'll come back down, and that's really hard, and it's very cool that they've achieved the capability to do it and to reuse the the rocket. But it's not nearly as hard as actually launching a rocket all the way into space it, with the capability of delivering things to, say, the International Space Station and mm-hmm. then coming back. That's all, like a whole different order of magnitude of difficulty. So. Yeah. Uh, In- I thought that was pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah, it's all, it's SpaceX is why Elon Musk sort of has to cozy up to the Trump administration on some level, like work with this Jared yeah. Kushner private enterprise nonsense thing. Yeah. It's just because he, there's, he is... Well, I mean, SpaceX he's, is t- he's tied in with NASA. Very... Yeah, he has a lot of government contracts that he can't really just shove aside. As much as like on the campaign trail, he could say what he wanted to say. Like now he has to sort of get get in line. And that's kind of I, a bummer. I suspect that, like many other people, he thinks that Trump is a moron, but... Yeah, I mean, I, I suspect most people who work for Trump think Trump's a moron. Yeah, that seems like a hard is. thing not to, to realize. <laughs> Bannon insulted Trump like months before he started working for him. I, I, yeah. I, I, I doubt he's really actually changed his opinion of that Trump is a useful idiot. Oh, I would agree with that. I'm, I'm sure this is a topic that will come up uh, over the rest of our hour. That Trump uh, is a moron? Repeatedly. Eh, maybe. It just maybe. Uh, All right. So in... That's actually a good segue into our first topic, which is uh, Trump's really moronic promise that he was going to repeal and replace Obamacare on day one. Yeah. So uh, as I mentioned earlier, we are on day 72. Um, So we're past day one, if you will. And Obamacare uh, was neither replaced nor repealed. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) You know, since since the last uh, show that we did, it really... The effort really went down in flames. Yeah, you guys. The last one you did was the day before they were yeah, supposed to put up a very the good repeal timing. vote, and then, then like, how, like 
what, 30 minutes before they were going to do the vote announced that they were scuttling the whole thing and that it was, and Ryan announced that Obamacare was going to, was around for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Yeah. Um, After reportedly uh, literally getting on his knees and begging members of the House Freedom Caucus to vote for his awful bill. There's a lot of delightful, like sad Muppet faced Ryan photos when he gave his like speech. He's got a real trembly lower lip. Thing. Maybe he should have spent some more time uh, working on writing the bill and uh, instead of doing uh, kipping pull-ups. Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> Paul Ryan is is fascinating um, about this particular issue. Like, I have my like a pet theory, um, as I have a lot of pet theories. All right, let's, let's hear it. Well, I just think you know, like, what what age did Paul Ryan's father pass away? How old was Paul Ryan when that happened? Uh, he wasn't very old, but I can. I thought he was eleven, but I could be like off on on what that age was. Um, but like part of the Paul Ryan narrative is that he lost his father at an early age yep. and had to sort of like make his own way as a man, and that's and like like reinforced his sort of conservative philosophy that that we have to to you know do do for ourselves and make for ourselves and not rely on the government. He was and sixteen. Sixteen. Yep. So. I mean, I'm sure he was a conservative before that, but he's that became part of the that he lost his father and then he became a, you know, college Republican. Um, and then, and then he's it's also well known that he's like obsessed with his personal health, right? Like this, the P90X videos and yeah, and uh, CrossFit, bro, yeah, broing out with his hat backwards and and pumping pumping weights. And so there's, I just, I really honestly think that in his mind he sees disease as like a personal failing. Like that, his dad failed as a father to by dying when he was sixteen, and that it, uh, like that you can, by personal effort, never be sick. Like you just have to, you just just want it bad enough and work hard enough for it, and you will never face any disease for your entire life. And that's like you know, it doesn't it doesn't take much to know that like that's just not how diseases work. Like, I got appendicitis. Appendicitis comes out of the blue with no real fault on your own. So that was your, that was your fault, John. That was my fault. You're right. I was yeah. my, my moral deficiency. If I had stopped masturbating, I wouldn't have gotten. God was like, ah, right. oh, I could see you tugging on that dick. Appendicitis for you. Um, and so it's just like he, I did, I, he seems in the in this in his in his version of the in the ACHA to really like lay a, res, a lot of responsibility on individuals for their health outcomes, which is not exactly how health outcomes work. Like no one like when you you can have risk factors that lead to you getting cancer but at the same time cancer isn't explicitly just engendered by your behavior um and this and and there's obviously people who like work out like paul ryan does and abstain from alcohol and cigarettes like paul ryan does and end up just suddenly having cancer out of the blue and for whatever reason when one has a negative health outcome and has to and needs requires medical attention you know, the humane philosophy is like we do what we can to ensure that they can live for as well as possible for as long as possible. Like that's like a hallmark of how Americans envision the like the American spirit is that we, we would want people to live as long as possible and as healthy as possible and we would do what we can. We just and, don't envision our healthcare system that way. Well, I think we're I think the ACA this whole thing shows that we're starting to, right? I would agree with that. Yes, and, the, and, uh, the the country is moving in a different direction than Paul Ryan is, is on Paul this Ryan on this is, matter. Yeah, and 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 really, it's it's just coming closer to its actual values. Like we probably would have had 
you know, a more government-run healthcare system if, if our healthcare systems had not been run by elites trying to destroy the chance of a government-run health healthcare system for the like last well, 120 uh, years. Nancy Pelosi was ridiculed over and over for saying that we needed to pass Obamacare in order for people to see what was in it. Mm -hmm. But it turns out she was totally right. Yep. Pelosi nailed it. I, she totally did. I mean, I think if you looked at polls going back to like Hillary Clinton's efforts to create some sort of national health care system, largely the polls were in favor of doing it. They would then become negative only when you like said, do you want government meddling with your health? But like the idea that, they, that the government would ensure that health care is cheaper and more available, everyone has been for for, for a long time. It's only through like deception and oligarchical control that that, that hasn't happened. And now, as you say, there are, there's some indication that people are actually okay with the meddling. Yeah, I think that you know what what the what has happened um, aside from the fact that like by the fact that the Republicans control you know two to three branches of government right now and both you know chambers of of Congress, uh, it's forced people to go like look at what the Republicans actually were promising to do, not just like. I think Republicans could deliver a better outcome or a better health care plan. They had to like look at the, po the policies that they were offering. And then when they looked at the actual policies, they saw like they were delivering a far worse version yep. of what they were going to get. And they were like, no, you know, I mean, all the people who like rejected Obamacare because it was called Obamacare while using Obamacare because they liked the ACA, like they, they saw what they, the alternative and were like, no. Yeah. And I mean, and something that we've discussed over the, over the last several weeks is that, that healthcare is is perhaps uniquely situated uh, in the sense that the impact that it has on people's lives is very tangible. Yes. Um, so it's really not a like a, a philosophical, political argument. It's it's literally a matter of life and death, mm -hmm. and it can happen very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so As we all know it. it it's. It's something that I think the Republicans, when they were trying to whip the votes for this abominable plan that they came up with, discovered that it's it's really not a very winning argument right now to to take away health care from people who already have it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They found it's just, it's, <laughs> yeah. It, it apparently it makes them angry. Right, like I, it, it doesn't matter how much Ayn Rand would be in favor of it. Yeah, people don't like having that taken away from them. No, and and when you saw Paul Ryan, you know, do press conferences about this, he seemed to misunderstand how both the American people felt and and sort of like what his ideology really represents when when you look at the as a policy as an act of when it's not about obstruction but it's about governance like what that ideology actually means he well, doesn't he's so, he's so like obsessed with the concept of free will and free choice yeah. and and so on yeah. that he he he's unwilling to comprehend the fact that it's not actually a choice if you're offering a person a quote unquote choice between no healthcare insurance and healthcare insurance that costs so much that they can't afford it. That's a false choice. Yeah, I mean, they, technically it may be a choice, but it's not. It's also that illness isn't a choice. Like people don't choose to get sick or need healthcare. 
you know, like there's a very small number of people who do choose to get sick. <laughs> Munchausen syndrome. Yeah, because they don't. They're not choosing to get sick. They're choosing to. They well, in a way, actually, they probably don't choose it, but they think that they're sicker, right? But um, so sometimes they'll, you know, do things like inject themselves with feces or um, actually make themselves sick. Oh God, it's it's, it's pretty gross. Oh. Yeah. Um, yeah, so like, I guess apparently in Paul Ryan's world, like fifty percent of Americans have Munchausen syndrome. Right. Is what so like, because you know, how, like getting sick is is clearly you know not just why I think that he somehow thinks it is a choice that he puts us in this framework of personal choice when it's like everybody knows that like they could get sick or they have been sick and it's come out of the blue. It's come often with them trying to do their best not to have that happen to them, and they've had to react. And it's also like because you know illness is not a market. That like other markets, like buying a beverage at at a you know bodega, like you you don't have options on it. Like if you're sick, you have to get healthier. You know you have you 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 can't. No, or, or you're gonna die. Yeah, and you can't go between like oh well, let's shop around the hospital that will best perform the the surgery for the cheapest. It's like well, if it's an emergency surgery, you're gonna go to the hospital so that's you, closest to get it. So you're saying, John, that if you need to go to the emergency room, you shouldn't. Take yeah. that at time to try to shop across state lines. Yeah, you should. You should because, drive over two states see if you can get a better deal. You know, according to Donald Trump and Mike Pence, that is the solution to all of our problems. Yeah, I know. It's just, it's. I know they they do not they don't. It's you know. So they, well, they admitted to it being a very complicated healthcare. Probably is very complicated. We discovered uh, for the first time. Um, but like, it just was so. It's such a baffling philosophy, and people you know pushed when you know, presented with it. I mean, they just, the Republicans clearly have a philosophy that's not designed for governance. It's designed for opposition. It's designed to appeal well, they to... they said so. I mean, they, they were like, you know, well, it true. turns out governance is hard. We're still learning how to do it. And it's like my yeah. brain exploded. I know Paul Ryan said that he's been an opposition party for the last 10 years, to which you're like, wait a minute, you've, you've controlled the House for, for much of that time. 10 years includes, like he was trying to link George W. Bush when he became unpopular to Obama by saying 10 years. You're like, wait a minute. Well, and also, like, even, even if that were true, which it's not, but even if it were, that's a lot of time to come up with some actual plans that are not terrible. And it, it is also, they, 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 they repealed Obamacare multiple times, right? I, oh, was like... The- well, they voted to repeal it something like 65 times. Yeah. And they presented the bill – they presented repeal bills you know, to but the president multiple because times. Because they knew it wouldn't get passed. It wouldn't get passed. So it was very yeah. clear that they, they, they had a thing that they've been pushing, which is that you know, the ACA is bad for America and, and undermines freedom. And they only were doing that because it was a good talking point on the campaign trail. Yeah. And once they realized that it would stop being a good talking point on the campaign trail, a bunch of people like bailed on that. And, and now you have the, the problem with the president uh, – tweeting that he's basically going to undermine the ACA, which I know is something yeah. you're very concerned about. Yeah, that is, right. So I, I think that's going to be the the next big fight in the healthcare arena, um, is that the Trump's immediate reaction when this fell through was to, of course, blame Democrats somehow. I didn't quite understand his logic there, yeah. um, but whatever. Uh, and then to say that you know he was going to allow Obamacare to explode and fail on its own, and then everyone would be sorry. Um, and you know, I, I, by pretty much every objective measure, Obamacare is not failing, and it would not fail on its own. Um, but what this does leave open is the possibility that the Trump federal government could do a lot of things to undermine Obamacare. Um, and to actually sabotage it. 
Um, just uh, some examples of that that we've already seen is how uh, the Trump administration, as soon as they came into power, they pulled all the television advertising, um, reminding people to that the the date by which they needed to sign up for insurance on the exchanges for this year was coming up. Yeah, the last few weeks of, of right. that towards the date they it, that that they had actually advertise. it had already been paid for the advertising. Yeah, they just pulled it off the airways, right? Yeah, it was they didn't pure, save any money off of it. It was pure assholeism. It was sabotage. Um, they've also in, instructed the IRS not to enforce the individual mandate. Yeah. So uh, the IRS will process tax returns which do not have proof of insurance, um, which thereby makes the individual mandate have absolutely no teeth. Mm. Um, so th- those are things that they've already done. But in, in terms of things that they could do to, to, f- to further weaken things and actually potentially send uh, the ACA into, uh, into the death spiral that they like to talk about, you know, I mean, they could starve the budgets of the, um, of the federal agencies that help up- implement the ACA. Um, and uh, most importantly, they could let the reinsurance provision of the ACA expire. So uh, one of the things that was set up at the beginning, because it was, you know, it was not entirely clear exactly how things would shake out um, in terms of the number of enrollees and how much things would cost for the insurance companies when the ACA was implemented, is that the federal government provided reinsurance for the insurance companies, basically so that they couldn't go bust because of Obamacare, um, and that's set to expire. And mm. it's very likely that the Trump administration will not, you know, re-implement it. And this has insurance companies very nervous about uh, how things could go if um, if insurance uh, uh, if, if things move at a rate that they don't expect. Yeah, I mean, insurance companies rely on reinsurance to insure them and to back them up in the case of catastrophic outcomes, and that happens in, with, in the case of earthquakes and hurricanes, and would happen if the, there was a greater number of insurance claims put for medical conditions or the mandate fell through and they got a lot less money through that. So. And the, there already have been executives from a number of insurance companies who have said that they want to you know, re-enter markets or stay in markets, but they're finding it difficult or impossible to work with the Trump administration. Yeah, I read a tweet from Andy Slavitt, who worked, uh, was like in charge of sort of running this program in the, in the last few years. Of the, 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 like the Medicaid czar. Yeah. And he, he was saying that he, he talked with multiple insurers. He said that they want to go into markets that, because a lot of the complaint about the ACA is that there's like a lack of competition. There's only one insurer in a market. Or there's markets that aren't covered by Which insurers. is, of course, the fault of the Republicans because they pulled the public option. Yeah. So, you know, he was saying that he's talked to insurers that would like to go back into those markets, but they are worried that the Trump administration will undermine the ACA and put them at risk. And so what's, I think they seem to be operating on the notion that if the ACA fails, if, if they can go around and say Obamacare failed, that they won't take any responsibility for it. But I don't – traditionally, that's not how Americans look at the government. Like um, much in the way that Obama was blamed for the bailout, you know, even though he didn't actually – implement the bailout, though he did oversee parts of the bailout because it happened at the well, end. he like, did like the second half of it. 
Well, he did the, the you know cars, but he also got sort of blamed for the, the banks, and the banks happened before you know in the in, between when he was elected and the the waning days of the Bush administration. But he still had to oversee some of that program. Like I, I think that Trump will be will be held responsible for what happens on his watch. That's generally uh, how Americans to, operate, and, I, and I, I hope so. I, you never know with a certain percentage of Republicans who seem to hold Republicans at no fault. But I, I, you know, if you look at, as his popularity declines, I think people are holding him accountable right now. And I think if Obamacare really fails, those Republicans. I think we shouldn't care about those Republicans. So, They've yeah. basically asked not to be thought of. But I, I think you know the American people are not likely to look at their insur- insurance falling apart and not hold the people currently in charge responsible for allowing that to happen. And I think that's like you know farmers in Iowa. I think that's small business people in Missouri. Like that, they're going to to look to who's in charge, and Trump is by by tweeting what he tweeted, and I hope they vote by tweeting what he tweeted. He basically claimed responsibility. So so he 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 exalted in it. So he you know it doesn't it's not going to take much to link him to whatever these outcomes happen to be. That that is undoubtedly true. Um, I, I think the question of whether or not he's fully held responsible. We'll have to wait and see. To well, a that, degree, that's why I'm but, saying fully yeah. is a hard thing, but like he, that he will be seems true as it already is happening, and it seems truer if things fail. I mean, his gambit that it will fail and the majority of people will hold Obama responsible, which is what he's he's, he's basically betting on by what he's saying. That that seems impossible for him to achieve. Yeah, I, I agree that for the most part, that doesn't make any sense. Like he's going to already the Democrats won't hold him responsible, hold Obama responsible for a lot of that. But this notion of the independent voters uh, who may have you know voted for for Trump over Clinton in the most recent election, most recent presidential election, that they 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 already are inclined to hold Trump responsible for what he's doing right now. I don't think that they will look at the, like they're they're the ones already coming to meetings with their uh, local congressmen and local senators you know, issuing complaints about le- harming the, the ACA, laughing down or booing down talk of death panels and trying to scare them. They're, they're, you know, Trump is playing a, a very politically dangerous game by putting a lot of, a lot of weight that, that, that he can spin that the right way if it falls apart. Well, he is a moron. He is a moron. Yeah. I mean, running theme of this episode, Trump yeah. equals moron. So speaking of that, you know, he's claimed that the next thing on the docket in his highly successful administration, which as far as I can tell has not succeeded at anything so far, um, is sweeping tax reform, you know, in the style of Ronald Reagan. Um, I don't see that possibly happening. I mean, by the end of the ACHA debacle, the Washington Post was reporting that there were something like 50 members of the Republican caucus in the House who were going to vote against it. Um, And, you know, if the White House and Ryan could not control their House members, who traditionally they've been very good at controlling, on literally their most signature issue, which is repealing Obamacare, I don't really see them getting together on uh, sweeping tax reform either. I mean, if they just want to implement a tax cut, sure, fine. They'll, they'll probably be able to do that. But uh, I don't see tax reform happening. And in, to a certain degree, I, I don't see it happening because of the failure of repealing Obamacare. Uh, th- that was the, f- the first large linchpin in their tax reform strategy. 
you know there were there were big tax cuts uh, that were a part of repealing Obamacare that are not going to happen now. Yeah, the whole thing was essentially a tax cut for the wealthy. Um, and in theory, it was going to save the government money, of course, on the backs of sick and dying people. Yeah. But in theory, it was. And that money is not going to exist now. So they're not going to be able to claim you know, uh, savings that they're offsetting with their tax cuts. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that the, that the House Freedom Caucus members who were so against uh, the ACA, Jake, because it was not draconian enough, uh, will similarly be have a problem with the tax reform plan because it's not going to be paid for. Yeah, I mean, um, he's going, you know, Trump is going after the Freedom Caucus. I, I completely agree with what you're saying, Ben. I, Trump is going after the the Freedom Caucus a lot harder of late, which feels yep. like he he's threatened to work with Democrats who would won't do, are won't not do going it. to. They're not. No. Do, I mean, unless he somehow flips and becomes like, here's a single payer plan that is fully paid yeah. for. Like that doesn't seem at all likely. He's just throwing it as a threat that the Republicans kind of know they can call. Um, today, the like Don Scavino, who's like a, a longtime Trump lieutenant, going back to the you know Trump enterprise, um, he. He, attacked, he straight up violated the Hatch Act. He straight up yeah. violated the Hatch Act and attacked uh, Justin Amash, right, in yep. Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, basically calling for that they would primary him and, and cause him to lose in 2018. Um, which and, and if you want to go into the hat, yeah, <laughs> yes. if you want to go into the Hatch Act, you can go into the Hatch Act a little further. I think you you have a I'm sure a better explanation for it than I could possibly. Have. Well, just in one sentence, it is not legal for a member of the federal government to uh, interfere in any American election. Unless it's their own election, so he's always, so he, you know, I, I, of course, as a you know a member of the Trump administration who's violated a law or had an ethical question, I'm sure he's going to be held accountable. But oh, he, definitely, Jason Chaffetz is right on. Yeah, it. Jason Chaffetz is yeah, that guy. That guy's on the ball. Jason right in now. the house. I mean, the one thing that must be nice about you know for Chaffetz for having Trump in is that he must have a lot more free time. Because he is, what does he do? Yeah. He must be like he's, he's catching up on Xbox, he, you know. He's not. He's not issuing any subpoenas. No, he's no. Uh, he's, he's got no tribunals. He's got no hearings to to run. He's you know. He's just like Assassin's Creed. Finally, can play through all those levels, you know. Right. Um. So he only has twenty ongoing investigations in Hillary Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <It's, laughs> they're gonna. I mean, they'll they'll eventually they'll they'll catch her for these things. Um, if there was double jeopardy on congressional investigations, I mean, it, this would have ended so long ago. Um, so, th- you know, the, uh, yeah, th- it seems unlikely to, to get this you know, tax for- reform done because the Republicans are such a divided party right now between, like, terrible ideas and even worse ideas. And they just can't get them yeah. on the same page to, to agree on anything. And they also are – they, the, the Republican – ethos that sort of was developed under Reagan, which is a lot of lockstep solidarity, putting bills forward only when they know that they can get them passed. Like, they don't really function in this environment. So they, they, if in theory, if they could pivot a little to the middle, they could maybe peel off some Democrats, get a few things done. But they... But they are not pivoting to the middle. They can't pivot to the middle. They've no. essentially excavated the middle of that party. So it's like what the, the edge of a crater and then further off into the abyss. So, you know, there's not a lot... Uh, a lot of, of options for them to do. What I thought was very telling is I, I read a, a thing that Grover Norquist, you know, who's like this. Yeah, he's a real asshole. Real, a real twerpy asshole and like yeah. a, a tax reform uh, hawk, one might call him. Um, yeah. Basically wants there to be no taxes for the longest time, forced everyone to have this like 
sign a pledge to not raise taxes, which, you know, they even got some Democrats to sign. Um, he said that he thinks that they need to repeal the ACA before they can do any tax reform issues. And some of that, I think, is what you're saying, Ben, is that, the, you know, they, needed, they need to repeal the ACA to provide, you know, the, the drop in, in the government expenditure to allow for, for a tax hike. Although Trump came out this week saying that he, he would be willing to go into de to deficits for a, for a tax decrease. I say a tax hike, but a yeah, tax decrease. Good, good luck getting that through the Yeah, good luck, good luck getting that through a lot of, you know, the Freedom Guards getting out of, out of committee. Um, but, uh, or explaining to the voters. At the, at the same time, I, I mean, again, in, my, in the world of, you know, John's pet theories, I, I think that, you know, Norquist basically saying, like, Norquist has wanted to, to basically create an, an income tax of zero for the longest time, seemingly, you know, much like Paul Ryan to his college days. He's one of those odd college Republicans who even at the age of 18 seem to not care about anybody. Um, but for him to have this opportunity where the Republicans control the, the executive, control Congress to not want to take that for his pet issue is, is telling – it really makes it seem like this no tax – this zero tax policy that he's had has, has largely been a front to sort of hamper the government. It's like a thing that's useful when there's Democrats in charge because you can force the Democrats on some level. You can blame them for raising taxes if they do. You can force them to not raise taxes too much. Then if the pol if policies uh, – if there's results because the, you know, the Democrats haven't raised taxes, haven't put forth policies that through expending increases that really help Americans' lives, you can then blame it on some other thing like you know culture or the Democrats failed or they didn't construct the ACA well enough or they didn't construct what, really whatever, the, you know, that their government bureaucracy is, is, is causing waste. Now that the Republicans are going to have to reap the results of whatever you know, government policies that come forward, he doesn't want tax reform because he knows it's going to make the government look bad. It's going to make Republicans look bad. It's going to make the president look bad. And it's going to give up the game that like if that like small businesses aren't hurt because of taxes, they're hurt because we have a tax policy that largely benefits large corporations and encourages monopoly growth. Yeah. And that's the issue. Like if they're if they wanted small business tax reform, it would be increasing tax rates on larger corporations and increasing regulations on larger corporations uh, to 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 per, to give more opportunity to small corporations to get into the market. And so they, they they would give up the game on what their whole philosophy has been. And so I think, you know, Norquist can't go forward pledging or demanding, you know, tax reform. I mean, we're just seeing. It's, it's an interesting idea. It's you know, I mean, you know, maybe it's giving him a little more credit. Although I basically it's crediting him with being an incredibly a cynical. Real cynical, yeah. Yeah, but sure. I, I think that's that seems to be pretty true. It's also just like it's just a never, another step to indicate that Republican philosophy really was contingent on the notion of liberal growth. Without the growth of mm -hmm. liberalism, they didn't really have a philosophy. They were just you know reacting to it, and if you strip away some of like liberal liberal control they don't have they don't know what to to blame I, or cite or I, and no, they I, say, don't know I, how to, I think how to paul go. ryan really believes his own bullshit i think th i think they definitely believe it but I, but paul ryan by doing the acha basically admitted that he knew he couldn't do a firmer version of that like he first came forward like this is the closest thing we're going to get to a repeal and replace of obamacare so he's he's a realist en enough to know that if he puts out if he if he just you know takes away any protection for pre-existing conditions he leaves all these republicans open to being to losing their elections to 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 uh, to democrats in 2018 so he's a he, he knows political calculus I mean, there's a, a, an interesting discussion to be had and we probably shouldn't have it now cuz it would take too long but mm -hmm. um about 
from a political point of view, what would have been the most advantageous outcome for Democrats with the ACHA? Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. the kind of thing I, I hate talking about because that, I think, is really cynical. It's um, extremely cynical. And, uh, and, and overall, I'm extremely happy with the way it turned out because I think it was the best for the most number of people. It, it is like, like you citing Pelosi. The only way to really have made people see the value of the ACA was to put it under threat. Yeah. You know, that's, and that's, that is unfortunately the reality of you know, a lot of human thinking, sadly. To get back to politics. Grover Norquist for a second. I can think off the top of my head of three Grovers who are much superior to Grover Norquist. Grover from Sesame Street. Yeah, I think I could. Uh, I would. I would put Grover Cleveland, the uh, semi-interesting president. I would put him ahead of Grover Norquist, and I would put Grover Cleveland Alexander, yeah. the uh, pitcher. Yeah, yeah. Are there any other Grovers that we can put ahead of Grover Norquist? Um, on, on the, you know, I'm going to out myself a little bit as someone who watches Girls, but in the last episode of Girls, a guy said that he would thought Grover would be a great name for a baby. So the hypothetical baby of Girls named Grover would be a better Grover Norquist. Okay, no doubt. All right. Um, I don't know if there are any other Grovers. Uh, there have been there. There must be. You know, <laughs> named after you know Sesame Street characters. Grover Cleveland is is the best. Well, isn't he the one who like served two non-consecutive terms? Yes, that's but, what, that's what he's most interesting for. Well, it's also pretty interesting for for his like rampant mistress use and like being a, yeah. well, a single president. He was like, he was a bachelor. He was a bachelor and. He uh, was. And uh, use the office of the presidency in a way that I'm sure Trump would love to use the office of the presidency. Oh, almost certainly. Maybe, maybe for all we know, he's doing it right now. And Grover Cleveland Alexander uh, was an outstanding pitcher. Yeah, Hall of Famer. Yeah. Bringing back the baseball talk. And, it, and nobody has any idea what we're talking about because he's really <laughs> old. Um, so uh, let's, do, let's do a quick hit on um, – on another real asshole, uh, Neil Gorsuch. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I'm I'm sure less of an asshole than we've high level assholes we've just discussed. Like, it, I I mean, Grover Norquist is a guy who's just unctuous and has been and just comes across as like a little fat worm, you know, oozing like he like he's really he, ought to he's be, a more influential version of Hugh Hewitt. Yeah, he, well, he ought to be hanging out in like a Star Wars cantina, like sort of sucking the the, the slime that runs off the yeah. back of Jabba the Hutt. Like he's a he's a he's not. He feels you know he's a Watu. He's not. He doesn't feel <laughs> like a person when you see him. You know, yeah. well, he's like uh, Hugh Hewitt. I mean, he's a weird Hugh Hewitt. Guy. Yeah, Hugh Hewitt is very is is, a, is very silver tongued at how he can make conservatism seem more reasonable. He's the one. He at last one of my favorite Hugh Hewitt things of the last. A uh, few months was that he said that Scott Pruitt does believes in climate change and has affirmed that climate change is caused by CO two emissions, which you know was a to- total lie. And then yeah. the minute Pruitt was in there, he was like, "Nope, I don't believe it." And I'm like, Hugh Hewitt, if if you even believed that, I would have been shocked. Hugh Hewitt is the ultimate example of party over country. I don't, it's the ultimate example. I mean, that's that's a that's a beauty pageant. <laughs> that well, uh, there, there, there patches has a lot in the running, you know. Uh, there, <laughs> right now, there may be a lot of it. May be a big tie for a first place. Yeah, there. that's a that's a hard he's up one. There. To, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's, up he's there. a slime ball. So Neil Gorsuch, um, it's looking more and more like there is going to be a successful filibuster. Which I have to say, I haven't followed very carefully. Yeah. So um, the the Republicans would need um, 60, 60 votes to. Um, to get out of cloture and uh, and you know confirm 
uh, uh, Gorsuch w with a supermajority. Um, and that means uh, they, the Democrats could lose, I believe, seven senators. Mm -hmm. um, and that includes Bernie Sanders and Angus King, who caucus with them, uh, and still force a filibuster. Um, and that would mean a total of 41 Democratic senators are needed for a successful filibuster. At last count, uh, it was at 36, with uh, about 10 undecided Democratic senators. Um, so they only need to get about five of them. Uh, the two Democratic senators who are probably the most conservative uh, and are both up for re-election, Joe Manchin and Heitkamp, have both already said that they will not be uh, participating in a filibuster and they'll be voting for Gorsuch. So we don't need to worry about them anymore. Um, Claire McCaskill, who was uh, a big maybe, came out in favor of a filibuster yesterday, mm -hmm. um, which is a, a tough vote for her. So I, I give her some, some big credit for that. Um, and it, it's looking like it's going to happen. Um, and I think it's going to be very interesting. I don't think that it's a 100% fait accompli that the Republicans will have enough votes, enough votes for the nuclear option. Yeah, that's what I've heard, I, I, and I don't, I haven't read enough to know exactly why that is. I mean, I would say that in general, the the weakness of the Trump administration that their, you know, popularity hovers around, you know, somewhere between thirty five and forty one percent in these early days, and they have a, you know, this growing RussiaGate scandal. It it makes it harder for people to come out, like a, a major, like enough Republicans to come out and just really, you know, back the Trump administration. Well, and, you know, the Senate is – I hate using the term moderate with Republicans at all because they are not moderate. No, definitely But not. the Senate is more moderate than the House is. In terms of actions, not in terms of yeah. policy or belief, right? Um, pro probably. That, that's probably true. Like, but they have to answer to an entire state of voters yeah. rather than just a congressional district. But I think in, in, in terms of procedural actions outside of, you know, Cruz and uh, – you know, Mike maybe, Lee. Mike Lee – and maybe and maybe Rand Paul, you know, the, the, most of them are not willing to shake things up to to that degree. Well, and I don't know if Rand Paul would necessarily be in favor of the nuclear option. I don't. I don't know. I I think that yeah. if Trump was stronger, if he if he had won anything substantive outside of these like executive orders, m many of which the most, you know, the some of the worst the worst one has been struck down by multiple courts multiple times. You know, maybe they would feel like, oh, well, we have to we have to go in line with with the administration yeah. because we and don't want to we don't want to incur their wrath. But right I'm now, sure. every every Republican seems to be like, bring it. You, you hey, Steve, Ben, you want to come down to my office and yell at me? I'm happy to see you. I'm going to I'm going to just like, shoo you away. Um, I mean, unless you're Pat Toomey, then you don't show up. Yeah. So you don't, well, he's, yeah, he, you come down to my office. I'm not going to be there. It's fine. And I, I'm sure that Mitch McConnell is going to stick his head up out of his little turtle shell. And uh, try to force the nuclear option down down the throat of the the whole Republican caucus. Yeah, but I, I I'm not a hundred percent sure it's going to work. Um, and but regardless, you know, I think filibustering is clearly the right thing to do here. There's I don't see anything to be gained out of voting for Gorsuch, who is clearly out, way out of the mainstream. Um, uh, you know, I mean he. He just had one of his rulings unanimously overturned by the Supreme Court, which means that even Clarence Thomas thought he went too far. <laughs> which, what, know, what is not, that? 
Uh, Go I'm, I'm not even totally sure what the ruling was, <laughs> okay. but I just said, like, I, the top line was Clarence Thomas d- disagreed with him. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, that's, um, a pre- that's a pretty, <laughs> pretty clear indication it, of how far right he is. He is listed, he was already listed amongst the, the indexes of uh, judicial belief to be right of Clarence Thomas coming into this. Pretty much everybody that Trump was looking at was to the right of Clarence Thomas. To the right of Scalia. And I think we talked about that in a, on a previous episode. Uh, yeah, yeah, we did. Um, and so, I mean, it, it, you know, there had been some talk about making a deal with the Republicans about letting Gorsuch through in return for uh, no nuclear option and no nuclear option on the next Supreme Court nominee. But I mean, I first of all, why would you believe them? And, yeah, I wouldn't trust them at all. Uh, you know, it's uh, the the analogy I've seen is, you know, that. Right now, the Democrats are bringing a knife to a gunfight in terms of what they can actually achieve, because uh, if the Republicans really want, they're going to be able to confirm Gorsuch, right? Um, but why would you, why would you go to the gun, the fight, wave your knife around, surrender, uh, only to know that at the next fight you're still going to have a knife and the other guy is still going to have a gun and he can shoot you in the face? I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Sanity check on metaphors. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there's any real logic to withholding. I mean, I think we talked about this before. I think none of us really felt. Tom at the time was wondering, and then we, we t- explained it to him, and he was like, no, nah, you got to filibuster. I think pretty much most Democrats are on favor. I imagine if you did a poll of Democrats, you'd find a, a, fair, a fairly strong majority in favor of the of filibuster. People are certainly, certainly the Democrats who are calling uh, constituent uh, senators are, are vastly in favor of filibustering, which is why so, so many I, of them come forward on, on behalf of filibustering. I, I just looked up the ruling that Clarence Thomas participated in, overruling yeah. Gorsuch. It was on a really, really conservative, strict interpretation that Gorsuch made um, of a law that set the standards for how public schools have to treat students with disabilities. Um, and... Uh, Basically, Gorsuch uh, came down against the idea that uh, public schools have to offer an equal education and opportunity to disabled students, which is just awful. And yeah, so uh, like access. I mean, usually it comes down to access, and you just that's uh, Jesus. And the Supreme Court unanimously ruled that Gorsuch's interpretation. I I don't know. I don't know how that even possibly squares with Christian values on any level. I just don't understand. Uh, you would, you would think. I, you know, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm uh, not a Christian enough to, to know the gospels. Um, you know, we need, most we need to get Mike Pence on the show. Yeah. His, I don't know that. I don't know explain, that. To explain to us, you know, how it works like with men and women going to dinner together. Yeah. I know. I, I don't think, uh, yeah, I, I, it's a topical reference, but um, I don't think, uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't think the gospel really has a, a lot in, in favor of discrimination against uh, the, the the disabled. Um, and, and, and I, you know, at I least, don't believe it's one of the Ten Commandments. I, I will say, you know, the Commandment Eleven: Thou, thou shalt make life difficult for people of less physical ability. Um, and I also, I mean, you and I could actually have that meal with uh, uh, Vice President Since Pence. We are male. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he would he would be happy to do it. Um, I actually think he yeah. would be uh, uh, you know, awfully happy to, to to hang out with a lot of guys. 
I, I believe that commandment was actually on the tablet that Mel Brooks dropped in <laughs> the world. Yeah. Oh, that's that's what why a, you haven't seen it. Yeah, that's why we haven't seen it. That was a historical yeah. accounting. That was. Right. <laughs> Um, so, you know, we clearly do not have enough time to get into this and to, to give it its, uh, its real justice. Um, but, uh, to continue our theme of Republicans who are huge assholes, how about that, uh, Devin Nunez? Oh yeah, this is like the, even a bigger story. This is the one we think, you know, you and I and the rest of, of the, the guys talked about the most this week, right? Probably, probably. I mean, since it, it's... The behavior is incredibly outrageous. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the Russia stuff is, is the most salaciously interesting of all the, the things surrounding the Trump administration, certainly for liberals. I mean, you know, that's, that's the one that seems to get us the most excited because it gives us the most hope. Um, Devin Nunez's behavior is bewildering. I mean, no, no one has really defended his behavior, right? No. Except like, sort of Sean Spicer, I, I guess. But even right. yeah, Spice, even Spicer's yeah. sort of thing was that like yeah. it, like he just like we don't really know that much about it. Not even He's like that, go ask him. Yeah, yeah. you know <laughs> the, that that clip of this of the first press conference maybe it's like Tuesday where Spicer accidentally revealed that he knew that it was two sources that uh, Nunez right. spoke. Well, it turns to. out it was three, but yeah. Well, he says it, two. There was a little different three, different three or four, on that. but he kind of like basically he at least he at the time knew that there was two. And what John is referring to here is that uh, it has come out and has been reported by both the New York Times and Washington Post, among others, that the secret intelligence that Devin Nunez breathlessly revealed to the world um, that he thought vindicated Donald Trump's claim that President Obama had wiretapped him was intelligence that had been spoon-fed to him by the White House. Yeah, by, by an official who worked with him. Was like yes. in his office, and then, uh, yeah. and the other one was also. That, so the uh, one was the uh, the chief counsel for Devin Nunez That's and it. the House Intelligence Committee, and the other was and a, a he, former aide of his, right? Well, that this is the former aide. Oh, that was the he former was aide. he was the lawyer. The other one is. The guy who McMaster tried to have fired. Oh, because that's when the, he came in. Um, Ezra Cohen Watnick. Yeah, the the thirty year old who then went to Bannon and Kushner and went, and went had, crying to them. Yeah, and had McMaster outvoted by right. two people that should have no vote at all. Right, because why should they be on the National Security Council in any way or have anything? Yeah, I mean, to do in, with in theory, Kushner is not on the National Security Council, but I'm sure he's attending a lot of those meetings, right? Well, that gets into the the whole issue that, as far as I can tell, Jared Kushner is now in charge of uh, every element of the government. Yeah, he's he, uh, he's cleaning the pillars in the White House. You know, yeah. um, we should go back to do Nunez a little more because it's a little more fun yeah. stuff. I mean, you know, we could have done a whole thing on just this. So, you know, Nunez is a member of Congress. Congress, sadly, works, <laughs> sadly, very sadly, but he, in theory, members of Congress work for the American people. Mm-hmm. Um, Devin Nunez seems to believe that he works directly for President Trump. He's in, he's the, the the ranking official on the House Intelligence Committee, which is and in theory he's he's leading the, the investigation, the chairman. the chairman of it, yep. and he's the, he's leading the investigation in the House on, uh, I guess Trump's relationship with Russia and what was known about that. What what has now been revealed by uh, James Comey is an active counterterrorism and possibly criminal investigation into the Trump campaign's ties to uh, Russia and Russian intelligence and their 
their yeah. efforts to uh, destabilize our election. And, and, and I don't know, did, did Nunez's press conference pre- precede that Comey testimony or come after that? No, it, it came after. And I, I think the, the working theory that most people have at this point was that that open hearing mm-hmm. where Comey testified uh, went a lot worse for the Trump administration than they were expecting. They bragged before that Comey was going to vindicate them. Right, and he didn't. He did the opposite. Uh, he incriminated right, he, them. Yeah, it wasn't looking that great for them. And so uh, it seemed that the White House then decided, oh, shit, we need to uh, we need to fight back on this. And they had Watnick and Michael Ellis, this other guy, um, reading through the intelligence uh, transcripts, looking for bullshit that they could spin to vindicate them and to uh, change the public story. Well, it was and, it was evidence, right? Because Trump made this outrageous claim based off of something he saw on Fox News, I guess. Right. And Which say, came from Breitbart. Yeah. Came from Breitbart, a circle jerk of uh, information, that Obama had wiretapped him. And wiretap is the word that he used in the tweet. And since then, he's had to defend this allegation that's just false. Um, and so they were going to find information to give to Nunez about sort of proving that claim to be correct. And even that information did not do that, did not do well, that in any way. And, then, and Nunez has multiple times said that that's not provable at all. It's just that, like, there's evidence of surveillance because, I mean, we actually know this for a fact, given Mike Flynn, who was part of the Trump transition team, part of the Trump administration early on, and we know that he was caught in surveillance uh, for because of the people he was talking to. So really, the more they focus on Trump officials being... They're actually incriminating They're incriminating themselves. themselves. Yeah. And Nunez, uh, aside, you know, aside from this action, has like shut down the House well, committee. That, that I think is the more serious matter. Yeah, um, in a lot of ways. I mean the 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 press conferences and the jumping out of moving Ubers and his staffers not knowing where he was and dissembling about whether or not he was at the White House and who gave him this and who gave him that. I mean that's all awful and dishonest and so on. Um, but it, the fact that he has now essentially shut down the House investigation. Um, and it seems likely that that's largely because they didn't want Sally Yates to testify. Um, she was scheduled to testify along with uh, the former director of the CIA and the former director of the DIA um, at the next open hearing, which would have taken place this past week. Um, and Sally Yates was clearly going to be talking about Mike Flynn and what she had told the White House. And the White House tried to say to her, you know, you can't testify because... Uh, everything that you told the president was privileged, and she said, no, that is not accurate because I'm not the president's lawyer. Yeah. Um, and so clearly they called up little, uh, little Debbie and uh, were like, you know, shut this down. And he did. And he did. And, that, um, and that's, that's – I mean, no one has made a better case for an independent investigation than the actions of Devin Nunez. I mean – Well, he, I, he may have committed some crimes – Doing this, I mean, I think he yeah. almost certainly did in revealing when he, when he held his press conference and revealed the existence of these transcripts. Uh, from what I've read, and I'm not a lawyer, certainly, but from what I've read, that was illegal because he disclosed the existence of classified FISA warrants that allowed for this intelligence to be gathered, and that and the disclosure of classified information is illegal. 
Uh, and of course, it's the thing that Republicans have been yelling and screaming about. Yeah, I know that. Uh, well, the, the, that whole thing of like who's the leakers are the problem, and then they obviously are the leakers, and that's oh, and but that's it, it's, it's and then in the case smoke. of shutting down the investigation, he may be committing obstruction of justice. Yeah, that 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 seems pretty on target. Yeah, um, and it, it, it's not helpful to him that his vice chair, the the ranking member on the Democratic side is uh, Adam Schiff, who has acquitted himself quite well. Um, yeah, people I love think. an Adam Schiff. I, I, I listened to a podcast earlier called Bombshell, which is a, a, high, a very good podcast about foreign policy issues. And the, the, the one pointed out that Adam Schiff's name resembles the, the former uh, district attorney on Law & Order, which they, 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 oh, they were quite excited by. Um, that was... Uh, yeah, no, he's, he's probably had his... Um, uh, he's a former he's prosecutor, a and so this is this right. is this is in he, in he, the he, wheelhouse. He was attorney in Los Angeles, yeah. yeah. So he knows what he's doing. This is in the saying. in his wheelhouse, and he's a, in his, he's in a, a, a solidly liberal district of Los Angeles. So I, I, I can. He would not that. have trouble being reelected right now. No, he needs. To, I mean, he had to move leftward. I mean, he was pushed leftward by a lot, a lot of like angry phone calls. So right, he which is more evidence that those phone calls work. Yeah, and so he knows that being dogged about this is is is. is you know, best and biggest shot. Aside from that, his instincts are criminal investigation. So, he, I mean, he, I mean, he, publicly, he say, he's been a lot more muted about pro, what presumably privately he, he, he's thinking. He knows that this is obstruction of justice. He knows the committee's getting shut down by this guy. He issued, but he tends to be sort of middle of the road. He's professional. Like, yeah, in his public statements. Middle of the road in his public he's statements. He's a little bit um, more acerbic on Twitter. Than he is, he is in more his cervical. release statements. I th- yeah, I, I, maybe he has a, a young staffer or his children are kind of pushing him to make some jokes. Possibly. But, <laughs> but he, uh, he issued a statement pretty immediately asking for Nunez to recuse himself. Pretty much, it feels like every Democrat in the House has, has issued a statement asking, saying Nunez needs uh, yeah, to recuse himself. Yeah, I'm not sure recusal is enough at this stage. It, I mean, I think, it's, I think it's, he it's, needs it, to be removed from the committee at the very least. Yeah, uh, obviously, if he was on the committee, he would be getting information that you maybe don't want him to have. But if he wasn't running the committee, you could at least get the committee going, right? Right. I'm by, but right, I'm still concerned that you know, even having access to the information at all, he can go running to the White House. It, wh- why would you think that he would do it? Only because he continues to do it. I know it's a it's a it's a crazy it's a, it's idea. A, it's a weird idea to, to to hold a guy accountable for the actions he makes. Um, yeah, I mean Nunez. Going to the White House, talking to White House st- uh, staffers, getting information, then going back to the White House to deliver a press conference to pretend that he had just given that information to the president is such a confusing level of crappy theater that you, you're, you're just like – like somewhere Putin is just going like, that's not how you do that. You know, like, I mean, it's just – it's very confusing as to like, why would Devin Nunez do all of this stuff? I mean does he think that he's earning so many brownie points with Trump? By doing this, this is going to somehow benefit him. There's a lot of, you know, suggestions that he is caught up in some of the intelligence. And that he was, was on the transition team. He was on the transition team, which is probably how he got the job as chairman. Um, was he not chairman before? No, Daryl Issa was. Oh, Daryl Issa. Well, Daryl Issa's star fell pretty far. He barely, yeah. he had a, he barely hang on to to, to reelection. Um, yeah, so that's probably how he did get there. Um, and he, you know, they put a, a, a loyalist in a position of, of power. That's generally what you do when you start to try to take over a government. Um, put put a loyalist in a position to in when it regards an investigation of you. They kind of did the same on the Senate, but Burr has been kept in check a lot more and has, has been willing to take a lot, either greater risks or fewer risks, depending on whether you see aligning yourself with the president to be risky or not. Um, 
Well, Burr is another guy who held on to his seat by not very much. Yeah, but he's also publicly stated that he's not going to run for re-election. So in True. that could give him room to go against Trump. Um, he did come out and make some public statements and, you know, knocking down the investigation early on. But lately he's been sort of, you know, arm in arm with Mark Warner, who's running that, and uh, seemingly being on board with fully investigating, critiquing Nunez publicly, saying that they have to do a fair investigation of this thing. Um, Nunez's behavior is, is, is erratic. It's inexplicable. And, it, it, you know, it, it, says, it shows that he's not a, a, you know, a particularly bright individual. Um, well, I was going to say stupidity is the main explanation I can come up with. Oh, yeah. He's a, he's a dumbass. I mean, the, you know, that's, yeah. that's the, beha- the whole behavior. Like, the, you're, you're, you know, the reports of him, like, you know, tuck and rolling out of a moving car, you know. <laughs> and it's like... I mean, what is that? He think it seems like Devin Nunes thinks he's in a spy novel that he's just he's he's when he's actually in like the remake of Doctor Strangelove. Like he doesn't get that. Yeah, you know. And so, um, you know, I mean, it, I I think it's delightful comic relief. I think he's done a terrific job on behalf. You know, shutting down the investigation not so good. Keeping Yates from testifying that's truly terrible because I think Yates is going to establish this timeline with regard to what Flynn told Pence that's going to expose the president and the president's cronies to a lot of questions about why they neglected to tell the vice president about Flynn lying to him for such a long period of time or, you know, outing the fact that the vice president knew, in, in which case either way... No, none of it is great for them. No, I mean, that, I think nothing forces Republicans to make a choice greater than when Pence is positioned against Trump and they have to decide between Pence and Trump for the future. Like that's that's the thing when the investigations into Trump will escalate because when they know that they have to sort of escalate them to protect Pence and that if they escalate them they can help Pence maybe potentially take over that role, they'll they'll start to investigate a lot a lot stronger. So like putting you know getting them into a position of conflict I think is the 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 most ideal outcome given the players on the board right now. Otherwise we're waiting until 2018 for the Democrats to take back the House and, the, and just start really pushing the investigation strongly. I mean, I, I do think it's certainly true that Nunez's behavior, as you've alluded to, has accelerated the timetable for a more independent investigation. It's, gonna, it's, it's pushing every, a bunch of people like McCain and, into having to call for one. I mean, they have no real yeah. choice. I mean, like, McCain, I, I mean, McCain is so full of crap that... He's I mean, full of he, crap, he's, but he's calling for one, right? Republicans I, have I, to... I, like, Nunez, Nunez looks... He, Nunez incriminated himself. He looks. He cannot look impartial anymore. Like he's destroyed his, his well, he, impartiality. He, he lied about where he got the information, and it's not. All you have to do is play the video clips to show that he lied. It's not difficult. He he lied about where he got the information, and even if he didn't lie about where he got the information, he clearly aligned himself with the president and with the people who he's investigating by right. going would to you, the White House to give you, the information without telling his own committee anything about it, I, and I then doing it on about, the White House. I don't know a lot about law enforcement procedures, but I think generally you're not supposed to um, to share information with the people you're investigating. The investigation. Yeah, it kind of feels like anytime you've seen a, cor- a corrupt lawyer t- tell a drug kingpin in a movie, that's sort of what the behavior is, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like it's just such a. I mean, it's a, it's a boon for comedy, people. I mean, it's 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 great for you know comedy Twitter. You know, I don't. It's terrible oh, for it, the country. So um, it's been it's been great for news media ratings. It's great for. I mean, the whole Trump administration, sadly, is great for news media ratings. Yeah. I mean, nothing gets people to watch the news more than you know a soap Being operatic terrified. joke of a of a president, yeah. right? 
you know, it was also like, I mean, the investigations in the Bill Clinton were probably also good for TV ratings as well. Oh, sorry. Having a competent president for the last eight years, bad for ratings. <laughs> yeah, one who, uh, whose nickname was No Drama. Yeah. I mean, it was good for Fox News' ratings because everyone sort of who felt they wanted to be angry about Obama for something had a place to go. But not good for... So the, for angry porch racists. Yeah. yeah. No, <laughs> <it> was... <laughs> Um, what do we want to co- try to cover another thing, or are we cl- sort of close to? Um, you know, I think we're probably running a little short on time. You know, it was, it, this is another one of those cases where there was so much to talk about that I think it was hard for us to get into as much depth as I would have liked to on and, the, any given topic. This is every week is just going to be, uh, so, you know, the the speed with which the you know the Trump administration flails about and creates wor- new, new newsworthy topics is is just. It's so accelerated. I mean, we're we're exhausted. Yeah. I mean, I, we, I've had a job where I just haven't really had a lot of time to focus on it the same, the same way. And uh, I, mean, I had, I had wanted to talk about Kushner and Ivanka, yeah. and the kleptocracy in action, and you know we, that, we didn't really get to that. I, I, I alluded. I, I, I will say that that ideally there will be some more information along those lines that will be allow us to get into that a little, you know, further in depth going forward. Right. I suspect that there will be. Yeah. And, and I think you also had a, wanted to bring up like the uh, the role the the EPA is now run yeah. by sort of the Doctor Doom of environmental policy. You know, the man who was like somehow pro CO two. I think like CO two is is like giving him money to like, donate well, got, to his we have, campaign. Right, we have we have that, and then we've got. Um, I mean, my my favorite was, and by favorite I mean this is completely horrifying. Yeah. Uh, um, is that you know he the EPA did a study on some particular insecticide? Yeah, this is oh, this right, is and they were like, you know, this insecticide is horrible. It uh, it it, it kills uh, all sorts of things that it shouldn't kill. It can cause brain damage yeah. in children and immunocompromised but people. The process it should definitely be banned. The process of making it is bad for the workers who make it. Right, it's like really dangerous, nasty stuff. Yeah, Dow Chemical and shouldn't be doing this, right? No, like definitely not. And uh, then Dow Chemical does what? Oh well, they got to, they get to make it. Well, they get to and not, not. But they didn't Dow Chemical before the ruling like petition Pruitt directly. Oh say, sure, saying that sure, they, sure. they need, he needed to, to strike well, this so down. Pruitt, he, what he, Pruitt did is he he just personally overruled his own his entire own organization, yeah. his own scientists, and he was like, no, by fiat. I'm going to make this horrible chemical legal. Go ahead yeah, and use it as much as you want. Pro pro business, you know, because Dow Chemicals really really hurting for money right now, right? It's 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 a well, we should we should bring back DDT. Yeah, we, we might as well just we might Agent as well just, Orange. We might he might as well just like de- we use some Agent Orange. Declare that why, why like not? you know instead of putting fluoride in the water, we're going to just put asbestos in the water because he really hates human health. He just wants yeah. to see us all shrivel and die. He loves corporate health, hates human health. And even corporate health is not a long-term notion of corporate health. Like this is just exposes corporations to bad outcomes that will eventually come back to hurt them in the form of future litigation. Well, and, and this shows how far the Republican Party has moved even since 2012 um, when Mitt Romney revealed to us that corporations are people too. Yeah. I mean, this is the, they're, they're, apparently they're the shittiest of people. It's like cor- <laughs> if, if corporations are people, they're basically, you know, every reality show TV villain that you could imagine. They're just the, the collection of like the Jersey Shore types, you know, like they're, they're awful. 
It's, they're not Top Chef. Yeah, they're 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 both yeah. dull and villainous at the same time. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. You know, I mean, I, I can't imagine a more heartbroken branch of government. As much as there are a lot of, we, we could have also gone into Tillerson. Like I was listening to some stuff about Tillerson's oh, yeah. debacle Jeez. in China it, and it, his don't make eye contact. With don't him. make eye contact with Rex that, Tillerson. That's an actual yeah. thing. We're not making that up. Yeah, that's what the report. His own staff can't make eye contact with him. Um, but like you know, Tillerson has proven that he's really out of his game in terms of diplomacy. But like, well, that's okay because Jared Kushner is the real Secretary yeah, of State. It's kind of true. As as much as like the, the State Department is is you know kind of broken right now, you know, with lots of job vacancies and a man running them who doesn't, who they can't look in the eye. Like, I imagine no one is more crushed than the people who work at the EPA, who just care about science. They're sci- largely scientists, pro- probably care about the environment as they should. It's their job to care about the environment. I would hope so. As it should be, like all of our jobs in some way as human beings, as stewards of the earth. Uh, to leave anything to the future generations. Like, they're run by someone who just wants, doesn't think they should exist, but if they should exist, they should exist in favor of the destruction of the environment. Right, he's wor- and he's and health worse. outcomes for individuals. Uh, you're totally beings. right. And he's even worse than Tom Price at Human Health Services. Yeah, that guy. Because Tom Price is just nakedly, personally greedy. Yeah, he's a, little, he's a shifty little shit. Uh, but I don't have any idea what he actually believes other than he should do whatever he can to enrich himself. Scott yeah. Pruitt, as you say, he really is like a movie villain. Yeah. I, I imagine it. he goes home at night and turns on his car and goes up to the exhaust and just kisses the CO2 as it escapes. Like, yeah. I love you, CO2. You're my bestest friend. It's, it's, I don't understand what he, who this guy is. Like, it should be – if he was about personal enrichment, I kind of get his thing. Like he, corporations love a guy who's going to make sure corporations make a lot of money. You know? But like what, what his value is, like why he exists to be this way and, well, and, let, and the nastiness let, of it. Like this thing for Dow Chemical, like it hurts the employees of Dow Chemical. It, it hurts the environment. It hurts future generations that would. It hurts everybody. It hurts farmers except, whose land will be the, polluted. The CEO of Dow, Dow Chemical. Chemical. Like the only person really yeah. benefiting this is the CEO of Dow Chemical. Maybe the shareholders of Dow Chemical. Big shareholders. But but at the same time, this just opens Dow Chemical to future litigation, much like, like the, what the tobacco industry did by by preventing information about the harm of tobacco is just eventually mean tobacco had to do this massive payout that hurt tobacco. But in this case, we already know about the harm of this chemical because there was a report yeah. about it made by the EPA scientists. Yeah, well, I, and, and so, like, I, you know, none of these things ultimately are to the good of even the corporations. Unless corporations can, can use monopolist control to never really confront any, you know, any, and uh, any outcomes. And let's not forget that Scott Pruitt is a, he's a criminal. Um, <laughs> oh, well. He, there, there, in theory, there is even an investigation of him. Oh, you, uh, you mean his emails on. that he's like expunged and right. tried to hide back in, from back in subpoena? Oklahoma because yeah. he he lied under oath to Congress about doing official state business when he was the Attorney General of Oklahoma um, via his personal email. Yeah, um, which he absolutely did. And and, and, and there's but he said that he did. There's lots of evidence of him basically just taking statements written by businesses or pro business organizations and just using them verbatim. Um, so his like his indebtedness. Which is a new, that's a big tactic of the Trump administration. You know, it's just like yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just it's uh, oh, what what a bunch of little like scumbags. What a bunch of scumbags. Well, I think that's a perfect segue into asking you, John, how this week are you staying sane? You know, I was staying sane by just not doing this damn podcast. I mean, that's been <laughs> pretty helpful. You know, um, I have a you know, I just I have I started a job that's been you know intense enough for me, and I'm usually just tired and. Uh, 
I uh, I got a, I have a child on the way, so I have like a, enough things on my mind. So I, I've I largely can just stay sane by by not thinking about it. Um, I think the saddest thing about all this stuff, like new, things like Nunez from a political level, things like Nunez kind of give me hope. Like the the slow uncovering. Um, or very, actually, very rapid uncovering in many ways of these of this Trump's Russia scandal, which I don't. I think it, the heavily smoldering forest fire yeah. that is yeah, Trump for, Russia. For, yeah, for you know a dumpster fire like for forest fires yeah. at least smell pleasant. Um, True. You know the, the Steele dossier. Nearly everything about it has been proven true. I mean, the more we go into it, the more we feel like there must be these videos and of of the, he the will piss be... tapes. He will be apparently um, testifying in front of the Senate. Yeah, committee. which which uh, you know, knock on. You know, if we were in Russia, we would be. You and I would be terrified. We'd be terrified because we just think these people are are are, are you know the, the little red dot is on their head right now. Like they they were well, and then they, once they were done with them, they would get to us. Yeah, they would get to us. Uh, but like uh, you know, I think in many ways, the tr- the incompetence of the Trump administration is opening up clearer frustration with autocratic regimes across the country, like the protests in Russia, which sort of give me heart, um, but also make me really scared for those individuals who take what are a much greater risk than, than we do in this country to protest. Um, yes. the, the people cannot, you know, and uh, cannot continue to stand uh, autocratic regimes. Like they, they, the, the, the obviousness of the danger they are to the countries and to the people in those countries and to the long-term health of those countries and to the long-term health of the world is getting just more and more apparent. And, you know, I, I, that, that, you know, does a, does well for me to think that we're moving in a direction to maybe we can unspool this and really get to the to the rot at the core of um, our, our institutional governments across the globe and and um, you know most immediately our own country. Yeah, so I, you know, I I think that you you brought up something that that I found hardening, which were those protests in Russia. Mm. Um, you know, the the courage of of those mostly young people. Yeah. Who who came out and protested against the corruption and lies and murder downright evil behavior yeah. of uh, including murder um of the Putin regime I, f- I found very heartening um you know particularly considering how generally popular he is over there I, uh, although i have I've, I've seen lots of polls that show he's actually quite unpopular they're just like there are official state polls that show he's popular but there's a lot of unofficial state polls that show that he is actually quite unpopular because people know that he's sort of bankrupting the government. They know that he's involved them in wars that they don't want to be involved in because their their own children are dying um, on behalf of things that they don't quite understand the value of because they're actually the value of them is like future oil wealth that they will never I, see. I would encourage everyone. Uh, so, I, I can't remember what this was published in, but a, um, a, a student in a Russian high school took a video of an argument that a classroom had with their homeroom teacher and the principal of the high school um, because the students wanted to support the protesters and this opposition leader, Navalny. And the teacher and the principal are very staunch, staunch uh, Putinists. And, That's how you uh, get into and they, they had an argument about it, and uh, someone translated this argument that they had, and uh, I, I found... I found it, it, it simultaneously scary and depressing and also heartening um the the attitude of the the adults in the room was pretty scary but the the obvious logic used by the students um was uh was very heartening you know they were like uh you know we're doing bad things in Ukraine people are getting murdered 
Yeah. These things are bad. I think young people in Russia know. know that there is no future for this country if it continues no. the way it is. And, like, you know, older people, people are happy to just hold on to whatever positions of power they have. And Putin is certainly happy to sort of mine and excavate the surrounding area for as much wealth as he can grab. But there is no future for Russia under Putin's Russia. You know, it's just a matter of time of like, how big can it grow before it collapses? But, it, it, you know, it's, 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 it's like building a building while there's a fire at the foundation. It'll eventually collapse. That's, uh, yeah, but I, I don't know. I don't know if that's is it keep, uh, keeping a sane. Is it keeping a sane. Well, or, I mean, but... I mean, don't, Ben, don't you? I get worried when we start to like the normalization. We start we talk about less. But what what bothers me is there's so many things that you know Trump is doing that like probably Kushner and Ivanka are enriching themselves, and Trump is enriching himself right now, and no one is even able to even talk about it or stop it. You know, no one's able to talk about these escalating drone strikes and escalating uh, aerial bombings in the Middle East. We you know that have changed our rules of engagement. You know, yeah. and they're leading to civilian casualties on behalf of, you know, the American military exploits, you know, which I'm, I'm not the, the most left wing on with regard to like the use of American military power. Like I understand the idea of a military trying to keep people safe. You, know, you, you and I are New Yorkers. You know, I think yeah. 9-11 is a thing that's etched into our uh, un, uh, unconscious and unconscious minds. Is. And so we understand that there are some things that have to happen. There's some moral questionability about America's actions. I think America has always stood for some, some morally questionable actions that, you know, um, at least I think the, the model of Americans, uh, of the American soldier is the one that goes into fight the Nazis and still feels sympathy for an, an understanding and an emotional sense of the cost of fighting what was true evil. You know, you could look at um, uh, what's the 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 Sam Fuller movie, you know, the big red one, the way that movie yeah. ends, like that sort of moral question about uh, is, is, I think, the spirit of, of the American military. But this is, you know, we are not, we are verging into not more, like not a, not a question of our morality, but clear immorality, you know, and that, that is very upsetting, but we don't even have time to sort of get into those things. And, no. and the overwhelmingness of it has really blunted some of the important things we ought to be talking about it. But at the same time, like getting into this is the way to get out of it. We, we, we are going to have to go deeper into the tunnel to, to find the light, you know. Well, and that's why we're talking about what we can every week. And we have baseball. So at least, you know, tomorrow we get, we get a little joy. For, for you, Andrew, and I, yeah. we have baseball. Well, for, for a good portion of America, right? You know, play ball. Um, do you want to, what I think, but I think, you know, like Ben, Ben, do you feel less sane now than you did uh, like a week ago or, or a month ago? Uh, no, I would say I feel more sane largely because of the, the huge failure of, uh, repealing and replacing Obamacare, yeah. the general inability of the Trump administration to achieve any of their major goals, um, and the uh, the increased backbone shown by the the Democratic Party, yeah. uh, and the increased civic engagement, um, uh, largely among women. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say uh, there uh, I think has been has been really huge, and the, and, and that's helped along with, of course, uh, as I've talked about the last several weeks, the uh, pharmaceuticals and alcohol that. Um, I engage in lately. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I but I think re Republican incompetence is the sweetest liquor. All legal. The, All legal pharmaceuticals. Yeah, the Republican incompetence is the sweetest elixir we could imbibe. So that's that's certainly helping us. And on that note, thanks for listening to Santa Check. 
Make sure to join us again next week, and if you liked what you heard, or even if you didn't, you can subscribe at iTunes, the Google Play Store, or at sanitycheckpod.com. And in the meantime, keep resisting and persisting. Yeah. And watch the Yankees tomorrow. Uh, bets. Yeah, well, the Mets aren't playing tomorrow. Boo, Yankees, boo. <laughs> boo. <laughs>